Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And we're here again, talk more about video games, talk about storytelling, talk about what makes these things tick, uh, but not what makes them tick mechanically, because that's not what we do. That's not my wheelhouse. (laughs) Not even a little bit. How are you, Dylan? Well, we talked a little bit yesterday, uh, a little tired still, but uh, doing significantly better, have a higher uh, mental... (laughs) We can do this. This is doable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, What are we talking about this week? I'm kind of excited about this topic that you came up with. Uh, We're talking about uh, controversial additions to video game re-releases, remakes, you know, remakes, remasters, uh, what have you. Sometimes even just uh, repackaging. I don't know if that's like the right term, but like there's even games that like from... 1.0 1.0 to like 1.01 uh there yeah, are absolutely. tiny changes but yeah what what was it that brought this was there like a, a game in particular that had you thinking about this i uh yeah i have a, Ta- I have a theory yeah it's it's uh tactics ogre reborn um, that's what i was that's what i was wondering uh-huh because we've um, been talking about that i need to pick that up it looks very fun very good highly recommended um i think you know if you enjoy xcom um which like this this oh yeah i'm i'm a this isn't quite the same thing, but like I think there's enough overlap there that you would you would feel right at home. Gotcha. So it's interesting that you bring up XCOM because like I have I never played Tactics Ogre. Mm-hmm. Um, Neither have I'm I very, until this re-release. Yeah, I'm 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 only very tangentially uh, aware of the IP, mm-hmm. and so in my mind, I've always had it in the category of like your. Fire Emblems or Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, I mean, I would say... Hmm. I would say it's... it's Because it's literally made by the same people who made Final Fantasy Tactics. I okay. would say um, it is comparable to Final Fantasy Tactics, but I think there's a lot less... Uh, so uh, a, a core factor of JRPGs um, is that, like, in a way, you're, you're kind of raising your units like they're, um, you know, like they're virtual pets almost. Yeah. Right? Like, you, um, Pokemon's, like, the clearest example, but even in something like, you know, one of your, er like, Dragon Quest three or something where, like, you're given complete control over your party, um, a huge appeal of that is that, uh, you can create these super specific, uh, combinations of skill sets for your, your party, and you you can give them a lot of versatility you just have a lot of freedom whereas my understanding of XCOM is that it's a little bit more based on what you give each unit and like what uh what their task is what their role is yeah that's fair XCOM is more 
class-based, not as much character-based. Yeah, and I would say that, like, Tactics Ogre is Final Fantasy Tactics if Final Fantasy Tactics was more task-based than character-based. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I recognize that this is like absolutely splitting hairs. It's just one yeah, of those but things. Like, that, like I, I, as as a friend to another friend, giving you a recommendation live on air. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and anyone listening in, I hope this is interesting because I don't know. I like to think about video games in this way. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it's it's less because fi- the the whole appeal of Final Fantasy Tactics is that it it takes the job class system from final fantasy 5 and puts it in a more structured uh turn-based uh you know strategy uh uh context okay um but so i think what, what tactics they... Ogre... oh yeah sorry go ahead oh no sorry <laughs> uh tactics ogre is uh interesting because it's like rather than like mixing and matching jobs on like a team of like four to six units you are um basically mixing and matching jobs uh like each character has one job and you're basically mixing and matching whatever you want to give that particular job for that particular map um, okay yeah on yeah like uh and it's like a team of like 10 to 12 oh wow or more like 8 to 10 i think there might have been one map I've played so still that's that's much that's much higher than you typically get in that style of game that's very cool yeah so what was the thing that they adjusted or added in this in uh this re-release that put this in your head so there's there's a lot to talk about with tactics ogre because tactics ogre reborn is a re-release of a re-release so you have uh tactics ogre for the super nintendo um and that was basically like uh characters are divided by jobs but my understanding of the game system is that like they characters didn't really learn skills like what made them stand apart from each other was um largely what weapons they could carry into a a battle and a couple character specific abilities that they just had innately tactics ogre let us cling together the first remake on the psp takes the system and makes it into something a lot more reminiscent of final fantasy tactics where the the one exception being characters don't level up by character they level up by class so you can get a new class and you can basically spec their uh skill points into any abilities you want to mix and match for your favorite configuration of units down to like it, like what they're even capable of doing in battle. Um and so what Tactics Ogre Reborn, the re the remake of <laughs> the remake <laughs> is um basically kind of a, a middle point where okay. there's a lot more emphasis on equipment again like in the original game and characters have access to specific skills like in um the re the you know let us cling together for the the psp but it 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 limits how many skills you can bring into battle with you and it also um again uh ties certain abilities and skills into the equipment which makes equipment a lot more you have to kind of consider uh your equipment a lot more depending on like what passive abilities you want to bring into battle with you this is my understanding of the previous um versions of the game so if I'm wrong, um, anyone who's listening is free to call me out. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't think let, it's, don't let us get away with shit. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but I, I I think it is kind of a, a cool, interesting middle ground. 
But um, that comes with a cost. So, uh, for example, in Tactics Ogre Reborn, the latest version, you there are no random encounters, and you really can't grind because there's a story-dependent party level cap, which I think adds an interesting element of yeah. make the best with what you have uh, based on what the story will allow you to have, um, which I know some people don't like. Some people want to kind of game the system and progress at a rate faster than uh, the game was designed for but um that's that's splitting hairs and i I think that also ties into controversial decisions yeah i guess the the second thing is that um it's back to characters level up on an individual basis which it means that if you recruit a new unit who starts at level one you kind of have to babysit them for a little bit to get back up to speed and i'm I'm Mm. not sure how i feel about that but like The third and probably most controversial thing that this remake has introduced is uh, tarot cards. So uh, tarot cards were like a motif in previous versions of the game. But um, in this version of the game, they will randomly spawn on the battle map and they will give anybody who lands on that space passive buffs like higher attack damage, a higher critical rate, um, a higher chance to activate your passive abilities for that turn and the the pushback on this feature in particular has uh been twofold uh first people don't like that it um basically tells them where they need to put their units because there's that impulse to collect them all and you know you don't want to pass up on a buff so you don't necessarily move the way that you want to move um because you're 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 trying to play optimally. You're trying to grab as much, um, as many buffs as you realistically can that can help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing people don't like about this change is the, um, you know, it, it kind of kills the role play of it. Cause, uh, I, I've seen multiple people say like, you know, they like when they progress through a battle map, they, you know, they have that emergent narrative in their heads and like the game kind of telling you, you have to go here or you have to, you know, dangling carrots in front of uh, the player's face doesn't quite um, jive with the the role play element of what's going sure. on. Sure, yeah, which I think are valid complaints. Um, I don't necessarily agree with them. Uh, as a complete newbie, I kind of like the tarot card system, and I'm I'm going to yeah. talk about that a little bit. But I wanted to hear your thoughts um, first. I, mean, I think it's an interesting. I don't know. I think that's interesting because like giving you choices and making you have to like weigh opportunity cost is an interesting wrinkle. Yeah. I think strategy games that I think like the, the strategy game that I have put the most hours in recently has been XCOM two. I rebooted Mm -hmm. that a few months ago and I've just kind of been like idling away with it. Mm -hmm. And what I like so much about XCOM is the degree of like just utter unpredictability. It can be frustrating for sure. Right. But I think that adds a lot to a tactics game. And I think that, you know, finding a way to add a little bit more of that to a sort of legacy tactics game is kind of cool. Like, again, I appreciate if if you are a legacy player of Tactics Ogre and it's not what you want, like, that's totally reasonable. But yeah, I would agree. With that. I think I think that sounds cool that that makes me more interested in the game. Yeah, I, I would say speaking personally, I think the not just the ogre series but like everything um yasumi matsuno that's the name of the director everything is his teams have ever worked on always kind of have a very 
tabletop feel to them. So I think something like as non-diegetic as randomly spawning buffs on the map, I can understand being like something that kind of killed to, to speak more to like the roleplay element of of it. Um, mm. The fact that there's no real diegetic way to justify these buff cards randomly appearing. I feel like, you know, kind of wearing the, the gaminess of its premise on its face is, you know, in, in its own way, kind of charming. I, uh, I, I don't love uh, Shining Force, just to use a different example, because mm. um, I am totally 100% like within the, the fiction of the game that I'm playing. I kind of like it because a lot of the art and uh, a lot of the sprite art, a lot of the enemy arts uh, just remind me of Dungeons and Dragons miniatures, and that's kind of fun yeah. and appealing in its own right. Or maybe more specifically, it makes me think of the arc of Yu-Gi-Oh! when they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> um, which, like, yeah, that aesthetic is peak. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's very good. But yeah, no, I think, um, I, I, guess, I guess it is also a question of, like, how much do you want your game to take its own fiction seriously versus how okay are you with the, the game wearing its own gaminess on its sleeve? I don't know. I think it's just an interesting topic of conversation. Yeah, and, and tactics games are kind of have an interesting relationship with immersion and diegesis. Because yeah. like, you know, to, to use XCOM as an example, you, the player in XCOM are in fiction, you were like the commander of uh -huh. the organization. And so, you know, the diegetic explanation for your involvement is you are the one issuing the commands and telling the people what to do. You know, and there and there's there's seams there that are visible. It's not a perfect, like, you know, flawless immersion setup. Right. But something like that is wildly different from something like, say, Fire Emblem, where like, you know, typically in Fire Emblem, the main character, whether it is a pre-written main character like Ike or uh, uh, Luce, not Lucia, what is it? Lucia, what's who's the the green-haired girl from Sacred Swords? Oh, or not Sacred um, Swords. Irika, maybe. Erica, Irika, um, green hair, Sacred and a, Stones, and a, right? Like I think green so. hair and a Any, unimportant. Yeah, yeah, like, Irika. <laughs> <laughs> whether whether it is uh, a character like that or a character like. Uh, Byleth in Three Houses who are a little bit pre-written but much more intended as sort of a player surrogate there's a bigger gap there where it's like you are you are sort of in fiction meant to be understanding that you are controlling one character but issuing commands to others and then you know there's all other manner of things so like there's already a little bit of like not necessarily a disconnect but like a necessary you have to buy in if you want immersion. It's not a game genre that's going to immerse you on its own, of its own accord. That's not what it's trying to be. And so, like you were saying, like I don't mind a little bit more gaminess or a little bit more like hard to justify if you're trying to be immersed stuff on top of that because that isn't, like you said, that's not why I play this genre of games. Right. I guess I, I will say, uh, just to... Uh, piggyback off of that, like, I do think there's something about the tactics uh, RPG that does invite role-playing even a little bit more than your average everyday JRPG. Although, weirdly enough, not more than your Western RPG. I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of its own thing. But I, 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 there's something about, like, the... 
added emphasis on level geometry and this idea of travel that uh srpg kind of like they are almost by design slower paced games and so out of maybe necessity with like that slower pace you do kind of even if it's subconsciously you start to form attachments to these characters and a narrative kind of plays out maybe maybe that's just me talking to my own experience maybe that's just me (laughs) navel gazing but like uh i i guess i'm like kind of extending a hand to to the people critical of these new systems because it's like i do get it i want them to know that i do get it i just also think like there are two dimensions to this and the the part that kind of inspires um spontaneity and uh greater maybe not greater decision making but like another dimension of cost risk analysis uh is something that i i've been really enjoying in this game yeah so i have something that is a little bit more i guess a little bit less like gameplay focused and a little Uh bit more game presentation focused okay i want to talk a little bit i i i it felt like you were done with Tactics Ogre. Are you actually yes, done with yes, Tactics Yes, we, we are okay, done cool. with Okay, cool. Just wanted to make sure I wasn't like, anyway, my thing. No, I understand. <laughs> you're good. You're good. So we are, at some point soon, getting the... Is it the third or the fourth re-release of The Last of Us that's coming out? Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> it's gotta be the third re-release, which makes it the fourth release. Yeah. Uh, and they're second. giving it, like, a, a proper... Let me see if I actually have this right. So there's the original release. Then it got re-released on PS4. Did it get an HD re-release on PS5 as well? With a with an don't. oncoming remake? I don't know. Yeah, but it but it's getting a a what they're now calling a remake. Yes. Uh and so, you know, updating gameplay engine. Uh there I don't know that we have a ton of info about what all is going to be changing how much you know new stuff that they introduced in part two that's going to be kind of backfilled into part one it it's i have not been following the development very closely so maybe there's more info out there that i don't have but i just remember when it was announced they dropped some images of it like some you know some stills of cutscenes and gameplay moments uh to sort of show off like look how crisp and clean and good last of us will look in, you know, beautiful PlayStation 5, 4K, look at all this. And then immediately people started doing side-by-sides of, you know, a scene from that they had showed off from a cutscene for the remake next to that same moment in the original. And what really struck me and struck a number of people, this was something that was, you know, being discussed online for a while, was that there was this, it looked better if you were looking at polygon count. It looked better if you were looking at, like, how the lighting was diffusing across the planes of the people's faces in, like, believable ways that track with how light works in the real world. Mm -hmm. But there was also something that, like, I and a lot of other people online felt like was kind of missing. And I'm not even somebody who played The Last of Us. This was strictly from, like like, a cinematography point of view. I'm going to pull these up real quick because it's been a minute. in the in the move to a much more robust engine with the ability to you know pump out way more polygons and and realistic light diffusion and all of you know depth of shadow and all of these other things it looked more realistic but it also like 
lost a little bit of like a, a filmishness and like a, a an intentionality to the lighting and the framing. Yeah. That made it feel just like way less more real and less alive is the best way I can think of of putting it. And that sounds so pretentious. But No, but I, I, I totally understand it as well. Like um I mean, I don't think it says a good thing that I've looked up comparison images and I had to look down to read what was the yeah, original yeah. and what was Wh- the remaster. Honestly, is its own thing. And I feel like I've brought this up on the show before as well. But like graphics are so good now. The jump in quality, like there is a definitive jump in performance and quality and like capability from, you know, PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5. No doubt. Like and there are some games on PS5 and Xbox series x is that the current one i don't have an xbox uh um, i think so <laughs> they, they they need a better naming convention at that goddamn yeah, company they, they've um, really been dropping the ball like, there are some games that they have put out that look jaw-dropping like the the uh new ratchet and clank that was the playstation 5 sort of launch title mm-hmm. that game looks like a pixar movie in a way that is like truly baffling but like if what you're trying to do is render people that look like people at a glance, like the the we are rapidly approaching a a situation and a state where we're kind of at the cap as far as like what our eyes can see. We're rapidly approaching the point where like more polygons are not going to make Joel look more like a man. Yeah, like I'm looking at some of these comparisons here and I I there here's actually a pretty decent picture of um Ellie, that that's her name, right? Did that, no, it is it Ellie. God, it's been so long since I played The Last of Us. What was the name of the girl? Uh, Ellie. Okay, it was Ellie. Yeah. Um, and it's like the faces. I mean, it it just looks like they cast someone. Like you know, it looks like in the facial mocap, uh, that maybe they cast someone else or they went a little bit more off the original design. Yeah. Um, for the character. Yeah, like and in I, this side by side, the the jump from PlayStation Three to PlayStation Four, huge. Uh huh. The jump from PS Four to PS Five, visible, like you can see it. Especially like you know, there's there's a little bit more delineation between the planes of the face. Uh, the biggest thing I noticed is like the hair and the sleeve. There's a lot more going on there. Like her, this is uh, not to belittle the the um, like graphical fidelity. And here's a here's a here's a uh, term that I learned from my makeup class. Um, Ellie's nasal labial folds, uh, like the the wrinkles that form around the nose and go down yeah. to the upper lip, like they are more pronounced in the PS5 version. Yeah, like it looks it looks quite good. It looks like a person. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's 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 kind of to the point now. Like in something interesting, I found in playing in going from Uncharted 4 back to uh, Uncharted 2 is that, like, there is a definitive shift in quality of animation, like, um, or I guess motion capture technology would be the better term, where, like, the character's facial emoting in uh, The Last of Us 4 is so far and above beyond what uh, they were capable of doing back in 2009. Um, and I imagine the same thing extends to The Last of Us, even if it's not to the same extent, because The Last of Us came out, what, like three or four years after um, Uncharted mm-hmm. 2. But I, I I understand there's this kind of like desire for, you know, this 
it, like The Last of Us is a game that uh, so much of its quality kind of hinges on its um, cinematic presentation. And so as technology as technology progresses and we find more sophisticated ways to capture emotions and whatnot, the cutscenes in The Last of Us are going to look dated. They do have an expiration date. Everything does. So I can understand that kind of desire to update it with modern technology so it it its legacy lasts a little bit longer. But that's the yeah. only reason I can think that they're doing this. And I, I don't think they are... A, really considering the artistic merit of the project they made um, beyond, like, you know, how, how it looks when uh, a character is talking based on the mocap technology they had at the time. Like, I'm kind of rambling right now, but I, th- I hope my point is coming across. I think that's totally it. And, like, I mean, the best example I have found for, for what I'm getting at is uh, this side-by-side. I just sent it to you. Mm-hmm. Where it's like the the PS5 version, it's a it's just Joel kind of shot from a three quarters angle, uh, mm-hmm. in some like moody lighting. It's for a cutscene. I haven't played the games. I don't know what's going on here. The the Joel on the right, the one from the PlayStation Five remake, looks a lot better. Like you said, I mean, huge improvements in like you know performance capture to rendering pipeline. Huge improvements in you know how many resources and and how much processing power can be put into a face but there's something about the way that like the new diffusive lighting is hitting the face on the right that like lacks a little bit of the drama of the much harder light at play in the playstation 4 remastered Mm -hmm. screenshot yeah and like this is i'm i'm getting very like nitpicky here this is a nitpicky thing to be pointing out but like lighting and cinematography and like all of these things are tools that work to tell and enhance stories and it feels like a downgrade in that respect going from the the last of us remastered to the last of us part one because the, there's just a a fundamentally less dramatic feel when the light is as realistic as it is and like yeah it looks more real but like Lighting in film never looks real. It's being designed to look good on camera and tell a story. So now it's time and to vindicate myself. <laughs> what's up? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you finish your thought, but I... I've no, I mean, been... that's, that's more or less the end of it. It's just like there's, <laughs> okay. there's this... I feel like it is giving up some of the forest for some very fancy trees. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. So speaking of giving up the forest for some very fancy trees, um, you know, originally I was going to keep this to like a gameplay conversation because I was oh, thinking okay. about, no, 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 this is good. But uh, I was just going to say originally I was thinking like, yeah, maybe I'll talk about the Resident Evil remake. There's been a lot of Final Fantasy remasters that have made uh, interesting controversial changes. So maybe I'll talk about, no, fuck that. Well, maybe we'll come back to those later. Maybe I've already talked about them. I don't <laughs> care because it's time to talk about the shadow of the colossus remake okay i 
I don't know that I ever played that. I, yeah, I don't think you played Ch- Shadow of the Colossus was at least a thing that you knew of. Though, right? Shadow of the Colossus I've played. Okay, I don't know that okay. I played the remake. <laughs> no, I haven't either. It was a PS4 exclusive. Gotcha. So, and even even Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, I might talk a little bit about that game later, but uh, these were cases of games that were, you know, um, Xenoblade Chronicles less so. Uh, so I'll, I'll talk about that later. But Shadow of the Colossus is an example of a game that, like, looked incredible when it came out. But when the re-release came out, everyone, like, the, there were people critical of it, but there was, like, a huge number of people who were like, nah, dude, this is just, this looks way better. There's more detail. This is just what the game would have looked like if they had the technology available to them at the time. And yeah, that drives me nuts because <laughs> those same people are here trashing and bagging on The Last of Us Remastered. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's let's talk about uh what makes and chris we might have to post these images to the twitter yeah um, but uh you know so i have pulled up a picture of side by side the first colossus in both versions the ps2 version and the ps4 version of the shadow of the colossus remake in the ps4 version the first colossus is very clearly visible there's a lot of um there you you can see like the textures of the fur rendered in like great detail um its eyes are kind of like bright and piercing in the ps2 version it's a little muddier um the, there's a bit more of a mistiness in the world of the ps2 version of shadow of the colossus and whether that that's like a fog of war or maybe they're using it to kind of occlude the lack of detail the older model comparatively has or something like that the it, it basically i would i would describe the ps2 version as fuzzier but i think the thing i like about that fuzziness that i miss in the ps4 version is that like because you can't quite make out the details it almost feels unreal in like a dreamlike way um and yeah. the world of fin- uh, final fantasy the world of shadow of the colossus is like very much this kind of dreamlike forbidden land that you're exploring and it's in the PS2 version especially, but even in the PS3 version, there's a lot of, like, really washed-outness to the the way the world is rendered. Um, nothing really feels permanent. Uh, Chris, I'm going to post another picture in chat real quick. But, like, um, in the PS4 version, the landscapes are, are uh, rendered with so much detail and with such a sense of realism that it, it kind of loses that surreal, um, uncanny valley that the the original uh, world of Shadow of the Colossus has. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing you get with... Uh, I'm reminded of, like, the reason Silent Hill 2 looks the way it does is they added a shitload of fog so you wouldn't see pop-in because the, <laughs> the render distance wasn't as big as they wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And that... You know, that was a technical limitation spawning something that became like iconically related with the atmosphere of that game is that oppressive fog that you like can't see through. And it's a same thing here, like the, the graphical fidelity got better, but there is something being left behind in that process. Yeah, so I guess it's just it, it's this. I don't actually know if I have like a a closing statement on Shadow of the Colossus. I think it's just simply that much like The Last of Us, uh, Shadow of the Colossus 
in having a higher visual fidelity, something is lost in how the the, the emotion that uh, the setting is expressing is yeah, I, fundamentally changed. I mean, I think like there's some parallel, like this is a goofy parallel to draw, but there's some parallels to be drawn to like the Star Wars movies. There's some parallels to be drawn to, you know, other sort of niche films that like a lot of the time great artistic decisions come out of necessity and come out of limitation and mm -hmm. like even if they're not necessarily decisions but like final products can feel a certain way because of the things that the 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 corners that had to be cut and the compromises that had to be made and like you know you go back in the original star wars trilogy so much of what makes them work is that they they were kind of like shoestring budget at least the first one was like a shoestring budget space western that they put a lot of creativity into, but they didn't have the resources to give it everything. And then the sequels did. And with nobody to say no and no, you know, walls to run up against to try to creatively problem solve around, you end up with less, you know, say, well, I like the prequels. I have fun with them. But like you end up with like things that feel a lot less like, holy cow, this is a really special thing. And I think video games are starting to run into that same thing, but the limitations that are being removed are all technical. They're, yeah. We're not having to find creative ways to get around pop-in as often. We're not having to find creative ways to hide low-poly textures behind, you know, fog or mist. We're not having to, to be really intentional with our lighting because our lighting engine can handle just diffusing one source throughout the whole room. There's some artistry and some skills that are being technologically optimized away. Mm -hmm. I would like to talk about Xenoblade Chronicles, and this is probably what we're going to end it on. Yeah, um, absolutely. That was my big thing that I wanted to talk about, and it turned into more of a thing than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles for the Nintendo Wii had like a very different visual style than what the rest of the series on Switch would come to look like. Uh, we're going to skip over Xenoblade Chronicles X for the Wii U. I'm sorry. Uh, I've heard it's the best one, but it's not relevant to the conversation we're trying to... Anywho. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post this image uh, in chat to give you more stuff to post to our yeah. Twitter, Chris. Sorry. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> and so Xenoblade Chronicles, even when it came out, like the visuals weren't amazing um it very much looked like a kind of middle to high end ps2 I, game. I wicked had to double take at the bottom right image to not see it as a gray mustache <laughs> or the bottom left rather <laughs> her yeah mouth the, the read, upper lip yeah her, her mouth or her teeth or whatever read so much like a frowny mustache to uh, me at first yeah, glance. yeah. Her, her mouth looks like a mustache and her lower lip looks like her upper lip oh my god that's, that's uh, sorry happens. that just really took me a second and it took me out of it yeah like i mean i i will say it i remember it looking better in motion if that means anything but yeah uh let's talk about that for a second because um you know, I, I think generally the, the remake is a prettier game. Um, it has it has this really soft, not quite cel-shaded anime visual aesthetic. Um, the original game on the Wii looks like, again, like I said, a high-end, maybe middle to high-end PS2 game, um, depending yeah. on who you ask. Uh, Which is about the, what the Wii was. 
it was, where it was tech-wise, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the characters have, like, these very polygonal faces with um, kind of... I, I think their uh, faces are texture-mapped onto the polygons. I'm not... Maybe maybe it, there's like separate assets for the eyes and mouth, but I I don't believe that. I think they're texture mapped onto the the face, and so it, it does kind of create these weird, uncanny, like flat faces. Um, but I think it it was controversial updating the visuals, not necessarily because it was a downgrade, um, or that something was lost. I I I would say that you know on the whole. It is a prettier looking game than the Wii version ever was. But I do think that there is something kind of lost in the art style. Whereas, um, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles for the Nintendo Wii was like very much a game that was kind of going for a more... Um, the the argument people who criticize the remake say, and I, I disagree with this, is that the new visuals look too anime, which is... Not that's a non-criticism. They've yeah. always looked anime. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I think what they're trying to say is that the original Xenoblade's aesthetic was informed by such a different period and school of anime design that the uh, the modern like definitive edition doesn't quite seek to emulate or even like you know it, it is very much a more modern anime art style, a more softer anime art style. Like the, the polygonalness of the models looked kind of bad originally, but it still kind of created a different vibe. Um, I uploaded to the chat, like some artist renders of these character designs. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think what's the best way to kind of summarize what I'm, what I'm getting at here. Cause it's like, it's just two very different um, impressions you get from each one. Like, one of them feels very classic uh, early 2000s to mid-2000s uh, Japanese RPG. Whereas uh, the, the Definitive Edition really kind of softens it up and makes the characters look nicer, but, like, also it feels like they have less range for expression. Yeah, I can see what you're talking about. So I guess it's, like, rather than, up like, update to be closer to that original artistic... Uh, expression it just went for something completely different altogether and i i feel i i can sympathize with fans of the original xenoblade chronicles being feeling like they're they've kind of been left out to dry yeah it is it is a it feels like a much more hub, homogeneously you know qu in quotes anime aesthetic uh -huh. where the original like is still very much an anime aesthetic, but it is its own anime aesthetic rather than being the anime aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, that was so rambly. I was trying to figure out how to say this without being like, "Oh, they made it to anime," because like again, that's not <laughs> no, I, that means nothing. I think, that, I think that you got there. I think that it uh -huh. is it is a difficult thing to talk about like artistic aesthetics because that's such a fucking broad. Damn, we should have got Dakota on for this That is one. a term that's so broad that if you're not being very intentional, it means nothing. Right, right. But, like, I 100% I get what you mean, and I think it comes across. It is a, a trade-off from janky, but very much of itself, to yeah. not at all janky, but no longer really distinguishable from, you know, this broader idea of, like, this is what an anime game looks like. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that is there is a there is a shame to that. There, it's it's rough when you interesting design gets left on the cutting room floor in favor of like, oh, we can we can up the polys. Right. Um, and I think that the biggest issue with the definitive edition, if I can just inject this in. Yeah. Um, isn't necessarily that like the new art style is bad. It's that like. It a lot of it's just like asset swap, right? So, um, the care the reason why the characters don't emote as much is because rather than completely redraw the textures to create these new emotions, see the frowny face so <laughs> extreme it looks like a mustache. <laughs> it's so good. I um, genuinely adore it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Also, obviously, in that. motion, it would not look like a mustache. It was just. <laughs> The screenshot with, especially, uh, I'm looking at this, I've got Discord fairly small on my screen right now, uh -huh. so when I don't have the image expanded, like, her face is maybe a centimeter tall, oh my which God. really adds to uh, the degree of, to which it looks like a mustache. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, but anyway, what I, what I was going to say was, like, so it because it's not redrawing the expressions, it is... You know, I, I think kind of being re it, like they are the assets are different, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, so yeah. like the 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 range of emotions is lower because, um, you know, the original polygons were animated to emote a certain way because it would fit with uh, the t other techniques they were using. So that means yeah. the drawn on faces and the polygonal bodies necessitate a kind of. Um, way of emoting and animating that like fits that aesthetic um mm. with these more larger ideally more expressive anime faces you would think the characters would be more emotive as a result yeah but um they still are kind of mapped to those same polygonal jerky animations that were used more in service of the older thing i i don't know how else to explain it it might make more sense if you see it in motion but like you can even kind of hear it in the the voice actors' performances, where they're giving a certain energy to the scene because of how the polygons are animated and how the faces are animated and all that stuff. And all that stuff is not there in the re-release, right? <laughs> so they've got the same the same dub that was done to the original animation now under. <laughs> Right, so like it kind of the 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 new uh the new models like the the asset swap kind of would have necessitated like a different performance, particularly yeah. of the dub yeah. actors. I'm not sure if that's the, necessarily the same for the Japanese voices, but the fact that it doesn't means that like there are these moments of uncanniness where you're like, oh right, I'm playing a re-release. <laughs> This topic ended up being way more like on the artistic side than I originally intended. I'm glad it was because I'm this glad is really too. fun. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anything else from you, or do you think we're we're good to wrap? Not quite. I, I'm sorry that got like a little too rambly. No, no worries. I, it's a very hard subject because we're talking about visuals now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, no. Uh, I think we can move on. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. I definitely got some good stuff yeah. out of this. Yeah, and I hope you enjoyed it, listener. Thank you for listening. As always, uh, I will make sure, uh, if you're listening to this, you've already probably seen them, but uh, if you didn't get to our episode from Twitter, I will have tweeted out this episode with uh, all of the images that we've been discussing. 
Um, so be on the lookout for that so you can follow along with us as we do this very visual episode of our all audio podcast. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, Dylan will tell you how to find us on social media in a second. And I would love to hear thoughts on, you know, this particularly kind of not on not game unrelated, but like we're bringing a lot of like outside extracurriculars to the field this time. Uh, and so if you have any thoughts on that, on other games that you think have have made interesting or less than ideal choices as they've updated themselves for re-release or even in sequels, uh, please let us know. I'd be very curious to see some other thoughts on this. Um, but yeah, we hope you enjoyed. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Thank you again for listening to Backstage Gaming. You can find out more about our show by going to bsgpod.com. Uh, that is where you can find out more info about us, more info about the show. There's a contact form if you want to reach out to us directly. You can also make sure that wherever you're finding our podcast, whether that's on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, the Apple Podcast Service, wherever you happen to get your podcasts, if they offer the option to rate or review, please consider doing that. Uh, that kind of thing helps just sort of boost us in the world. And also, as always, like sharing us with people directly is the best possible way to help us grow. So if you like what we're doing, uh, tell your friends about us and maybe they'll like what we're doing, too. Hey, Dylan, what about social media? Yeah, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter, where our handle is at BSG underscore cast. Um, also, if you want to talk about any of the stuff we've talked about today, maybe, uh, hey, D-Train, I know you're listening. What do you think about the Shadow of the Colossus? We are narrow casting so hard. <laughs> I thought it was a good gag. It's a good gag. Now I'm going to have to make sure D-Train listens to this episode. Um, but anyway, fuck, I died on my own bit. Um, <laughs> Uh, but anyway, if you want to talk about Shadow of the Colossus and tell me why I'm wrong and the PS4 version's the greatest <laughs> thing ever, uh, maybe I'll notice you if you use that hashtag BSGpod. Uh, it lets us see you easier and it lets people yeah. see us easier. So, hey, it's a win-win. Um, also, huge thanks to our friend Brennan French for the key art they have provided our show. Um, if you like their stuff, you can check them out at their Squarespace brennan-french.squarespace.com that is b-r-e-n-n-e-n hyphen french.squarespace.com uh you can also find them on instagram.com slash brennan french arts and on their twitter at brennan underscore french you should also go check out our friend bio query he's the musician behind our theme song dot sound radio volume one instrumentality if you like that, you can find more of his music by going to soundcloud.com slash bioquery, that's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y, or by searching for bioquery on Spotify. Thank you, as always, to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It's a great network about of podcasts about video games, and if you like us, you're sure to like some of them. Check them out on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork. And thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash bsgpod for supporting the show, for making it so that we're not losing money make on things like web hosting fees and the other sort of overhead cost of just putting stuff out onto the internet. Uh, it means the world to us to have the support that we do, and if you like the show and you want to support it directly, that is uh, among the best ways to do that. So thank you again. That's patreon.com slash bsgpod. And I think that'll do it for us for this week. Thank you again for listening. Thank you, Dylan, for bringing us a topic that I think ended up being much more fruitful than we either, than either of us really Yeah, dreamed. no, it was good. This I'm, was great. Glad we, I'm glad we held out until today to talk about it. Yeah, this, this would not have gone well last night. <laughs> Take care, friends. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>
Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.